Hey guys, welcome to the show. Subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, this episode is probably going to come out in April. Um, hold on, my uh, I'm going to turn off my camera for a second. Um, this episode is probably going to come out in April, so the only dates that I have is uh. April 14th at the Rec Room with Pablo Francisco, and April 27th and 28th at the Irvine Improv with Jay Moore. You can get your tickets at www.recroomhb.com and www.irvineimprov.com. Uh, as always, you can book me on Cameo right now. It's a good time because of spring break and all that jazz. And, uh, you know, I'm doing this campaign that if you book Christy Swanson and remind her to do Razor Riffs, uh, I'll give you guys a free cameo for me. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping to get like 50 cameos from Christy Swanson. So, yeah, let's do that. Um, this is going to be a great show. Uh, this is one of my favorite comics that I actually just now heard of about six or seven months ago and uh it's leanne morgan i was watching her dry bar comedy special i mean i'll probably get into this with her so you guys will know my backstory with her but she has a new netflix special coming out april 11th so i'm really excited to see that and i'm really excited to talk to her because i watched her dry bar special and i just thought she was so unique and so funny and then I did more research on her, and I found out that she's been doing comedy for 20-plus years. So I thought that that was very, very fascinating. And, um, you know, it kind of gave me hope. So, um, you know, that's what it's all about. And uh, I'm really looking forward to talking to her. I was supposed to talk to her a couple months ago. Our schedules just didn't line up, but today I'm getting to interview her. And I'm really excited. Uh, I've been looking forward to it for a long time. And I know it's going to be great. And I know you guys are going to think it's great. So, guys, subscribe, brain review if you like the show. Tell a friend. Uh, give us honest feedback on Apple Podcast. And, uh, you know, enjoy the show. Alan Lee will not be here today. Uh, Victor Pacheco will not be here today. Um, I should probably address the trusty sidekick situation. Uh, Alan Lee does have a day job. So when I record, it's really hard to fit with this flexibility. Uh, but he is still on the show when he can make it. Um, so he's still part of Razor Riffs. And I do get emails about that asking because I know he misses a lot. But he's still the trusty sidekick and he's still, you know, second build. Uh, Victor Pacheco. Um, you know, he's always welcome to do the show when he wants. Uh, he's just going through some personal, uh, situations that I'm not allowed to talk about, but we, we pray for him and we wish him the best. And, um, you know, hopefully one day he'll come back. So, yeah. All right, guys. Uh, subscribe, rate, review. If you like the show, tell a friend and we'll see you soon. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee, right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey, Leanne. Hey, my darling. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. It looks like you're in a hotel right now. Where are you I at? I am. I am. I'm in Evansville, Indiana. Oh, how, how's that? You got shows this weekend there? Yeah. Um. Uh. Tomorrow night. Oh, nice. It looks like they put you in someplace fancy. They usually put me well, at the Motel Sixes. <laughs> Honey, it's kind of fancy. It's not real fancy, <laughs> but it's kind of fancy. I, it's better than a Motel Six. I've been there, done that too. Yeah, isn't it terrible? Like, uh, 
I I did Vegas this last weekend, and usually uh, they put me in Motel Sixes. So I thought I was going to stay at a lovely leave your lights on Motel Six, <laughs> but it was March Madness, so like everything was sold out. So they put me in a hostel, and that was scary. <laughs> so they like, really did. Yeah. So I was like, oh my god. But Vegas <laughs> is one of those cities that's twenty four hours. So. I just didn't stay. I just walked the strip and played in the casinos. <laughs> oh, my darling. I know. So, you know, so oh. the point is uh, Thursday and Friday shows were good, but Saturday and Sunday shows were terrible because I was falling asleep. <laughs> uh, I'm so oh. glad to finally talk to you. I've, um, I've, uh, I, I wanted to say this because uh, I met you at the improv for a second, but uh, I, I came across your dry bar special in November and I didn't realize you've been doing stand up for 20 years. And I, I just became a huge fan. Like I like the your energy off that really clicked with me. And, um, you know, I know we don't know each other, but I felt just by watching that, like I felt like I could really talk to you. And so, yeah, so I wanted to say that. Well, you angel from heaven. Thank you, my darling. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, all that, that dry bar, I mean, good night. That was out of heaven. And I didn't know what in the world. I really, I thought nobody would ever see that. But we can talk about that. That was crazy. Yeah. This whole thing has been crazy. And see, I could have birthed you. You could be my baby. How old are you? I just turned 35. 35? Yeah, I could have yeah. birthed you. Yeah. But the thing that I learned about age is it's not important, mostly because I lie about it. <laughs> well, I feel like I emphasize my age all the time now because I'm older for this happening to me. And yeah. so I feel like I, I'm always telling people, I'm 57. I don't know why I'm always yelling that. Yeah. What do I, do? I don't know. But see, you're 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 the type of comic who, who gives people like me hope because I mean, I haven't been doing stand up for 20 years. I've been doing it for about 17, but you know, you, it seems like you're just now getting that big break. Like you're just now going higher on that mountain. You know what I mean? So it's really amazing to see, because like I said, it gives guys like me hope who, you know, where I haven't had a huge break and it's like, Oh, well any, it could happen anytime. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you feel that way. And it is the truth. I mean, it is the truth. It, I, I get it. In, I feel like I have a chip on my shoulder and I get it in my head that, oh, this should have happened when I was younger or, you know, that I would be so much more appeal, appealing and I would have so much. But I swear, after all this has happened to me now, and I'm, you know, probably three years into it, of this big boom, it. I, I think it's... I think it's even better that it's happened this time in my life. And I, and I do, I think, you know, people in this business would always say to me, it's all about timing. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I wanted it so bad. And then yeah. I realized it is, they're right. It's all in timing. It's all in, I feel like I'm wiser. I feel like I've, you know, I've been doing it long enough to where I have the confidence to go into you know, some pretty bad situations and pull it out of my butt. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know? and see that that's the thing that I've learned most about comedy where like, I don't feel, I mean, obviously it's 50% about being funny and then 50% about, you know, like learning how, how to do the show business part of, aspect. But I feel that it's mostly about confidence. Like if you believe in yourself and you have the confidence, it doesn't matter if you're funny or not, like you'll find a way to survive. Yes. I also think, my darling, you've got it. Uh, you've got an advantage because you've got perseverance. Oh, yeah. I, it's called stalking to those people. <laughs> at home. But but it takes that. And I think, you know, my generation, we have perseverance. And but in a lot of young people, I mean, I don't think they want to step on toes or I don't know what the what the deal is but i don't think a lot of people have that perseverance and i think that gives you a a leg up because yeah. you're kind of old school you know by 
you know, keeping, you know, in contact with people and making those connections. It's important. Everything really, if it's this business or if it's pharmaceutical sales or whatever it is, if you can, if you can build relationships with people, it really does. That's a key thing. And you're doing that. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I, well, thank you for that. But I, I feel that that that's mostly because of my, my Asperger syndrome. Cause like I, I don't see social cues very well. So what I do is I, I just keep like, I, I turn no's into yeses. And I know that sounds kind of creepy saying, but like, I, you know what I mean? I, I, if someone tells me no, I say, okay, I think no means not right now. So like, I'll try and turn around and, you know what I mean? Try and do mm-hmm. it like that. Well, so. that probably, you know, that probably do your advantage. Ah, okay. And I just read that Chris Rock has Asperger's. Oh, nice. Cool. Did so, you know that? I did not, but now there, there's someone who has autism who's more famous than me. So great. <laughs> I think I, I just read that, my darling. I just watched his special and I was reading about, I've always been a big fan of his. Yeah. And um, yeah, and that's what they said, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I toured with Norm Macdonald for nine years and um, the <gasps> thing. Yeah. Oh, I loved him. I never got to meet him. I loved him. Yeah, he was he was my best friend. But like, I always felt he always had Asperger's because he would he was the smartest guy I ever knew, but he always played like the dumbest guy. So that's you know, like, did he have an actual diagnosis? No, but it's kind of like Gator. Like I could tell, <laughs> you know what I mean? I could yeah. tell he's on the spectrum or whatever. So well, I'm sorry for your loss, my darling. He was one in a ten million. Mm. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you could see it, but I have a tattoo, like, of him that oh, I'll send a picture. But like, it's a, <laughs> it's a microphone, and it just says "old chunk of coal." That's what we called him. So I got that out of respect for him, and uh, oh. yeah, and uh, the thing is, is like. It's so hard because like I feel uh, with with this pandemic thing, I, I feel that that actually helped you for for you, because I feel like that's where that's when people were binge watching and you came up. You know what I mean? So yeah. in a horrible tragedy, it kind of worked out to your advantage. I think it did. And I kind of I kind of had a pop right before COVID because I they had announced my 100 city tour. So I was. It all this happened in two th- 2019, 2000 and it was the beginning of 2019 or the end of 2018. I can't even remember. I shot that dry bar special. Right. And, and my manager at the time really truly said to me, I don't think he never heard of it. He goes, nobody's ever heard of this. I was one of the first people to do one or the, in the first season or whatever. And, um, and it hadn't blown up like dry bar is today. And he said, I don't, nobody will ever see it. They're going to pay you a little bit of money. Why don't you go do it? I mean, my career was in the skids. I wasn't doing anything. It was, I've had a lot of opportunity. I've had sitcom deals. I've had Hollywood stuff come to me and some really wonderful things, but it was, I mean, I couldn't get booked. I was, I was doing gigs that nobody else wanted. And then, so I went out there and I did that dry bar special thinking that we'd never hear a thing from it. But th- then I got a lot of views on that. There was this one bit, especially about my teenage daughter when she was a teen, she's now 26, how hateful she was. And we were scared to death of her. That resonated with people that got like 50 million views. I couldn't believe it. Then everybody accused me of, of, um, that she had misphonia and that I was making fun of people with uh, misphonia. And I, you know, that if you can't take sounds and I was like, no, I would never make fun of anybody. This is, she was truly hateful. Okay. So anyway, then I, but what Drybar did, it gave me a little bit of money, not a lot of money, but a little bit of money to invest in my career because, you know, after doing comedy 20 years, if I'm, if I'm, when I was, you know, I would work comedy clubs and fundraisers and a lot of corporate and all that, I would take that money and buy my children haircuts, 
um, groceries. That was, I mean, I really, I had like two headshots in 20 years. I just never invested in my career. I was living on, you know, I was a mama before anything, raising these children. And my husband is an executive with a company, but it was kind of like, oh, that's your little money to play with. It wasn't like, oh, let's build you a website. Let's, you know, I never did anything like I was supposed to. Okay. So I took that little bit of money from Dry Bar and I I told my manager at the time, I said, because I'm a big fan of Jim Gaffigan, Nate Bargatze, you know, so I, I was like, they, they've got social media people. I right. think I need social media people. And he was like, you can't afford that. You don't need to do it. And he tried to talk me out of it. And I just said, yeah, I'm doing it. And I invested, you know, so much money a month. And I thought I'll give them three months to see if they can do anything for me. And if not, I knew I was having a grandbaby. And I thought, I'll, you know, I'll just quit. If this doesn't do anything, this will be my last ditch effort. And I will, you know, bow out of this thing. I really, that's what I was thinking. And, um, and so I hired these young guys out of Plano, Texas, and I, they, were scheduled to put out my first clip October the 1st. That's when it was going to start. And I can't remember if it was the first clip they put out or the second clip, but it was the first week of October of 2019. And they put out this clip and of me talking about old people going to concerts with Def Leppard and Journey. And it went viral and people, I knew something was happening. I could see people sharing it, thousands of shares. And I, said to my family, I think something's happening. And everybody was like, be quiet. And, you know, they were ignoring me. And um, that all of a sudden, these clubs that never would book me, never cared a thing in the world about me. People, I, I guess, were calling saying, have you ever had Leanne Morgan there? And they started calling and I started working clubs all over the United States, at, like one-nighters and selling them out. Yeah. And then I got offered the job with, I mean, the tour Outback Concerts wonderful out of nashville gave me the hundred the 50 cities tour and um they put them up for sale sold out so they gave me another 50 cities so i had a hundred city national tour and darn if march 2020 COVID hit i was supposed to start that tour in maybe june or may right Uh, anyway it all shut down I thought, oh my gosh, I've been doing this 20 something years and now my big break and it's not going to happen. I thought the world's coming to an end. COVID has come through. We're never going to do anything again. And then, and I really worried about it. And I sat and fretted and all that and thought, I'm never going to get to do this tour. And, you know, because they kept saying, well, give us two weeks. And then they said, all right, two months from now. And then everything would get moved and all my dates would get moved and people were mad about their tickets and didn't know what to do. Everybody was just, you know, how it was, chaotic. and But the wonderful blessing, you were right. What ended up happening is everybody was at home sitting and looking at Facebook and Instagram. And people started finding, more and more people find, found me. And it my social media presence grew. And it was just crazy. It was really, I mean, a phenomenal thing that happened. And it was um, an advantage. Yeah. And I'm really close to Leslie Jordan's partner. You know, Leslie Jordan blew up during the pandemic and went from 200,000 followers to 6 million on Instagram. And his partner said to me, because I did the the memorial, he said, Leanne, the people, when people boom during the pandemic, he goes, I don't know that they'll ever have that boom again. If you boom during the pandemic, that was, you know, that that's a, a blessing because if you boom during that, I mean, that was probably one t- time in, in history. It'll never happen again like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, see, and I, it did for me. Well, see, with you, it's very uh, interesting, unique, because when, when like, for example, I'll just use this as an example. When a TikTok star, like, blows up, uh, comedy clubs will hire them. Because they think, oh, they could sell tickets, but they're not necessarily funny because they only have that 15 seconds, right? I've seen right. so many TikTok stars just, you know, part of my French, eat a dick on stage. <laughs> and it, it makes me think, like, are these clubs actually crazy? Because I get it's all about tickets, but there's also where you need to be funny to, to keep audience to come back. 
And the, the thing that's unique about you is you're actually very, very funny. So, you know, when these clips started going, it's like, okay, this isn't a TikTok talk star. This is a stand-up comedian who knows what she's doing. So I think like that was a very advantageful for you and refreshing, you know? Well, and you, you dull, you smart thing. Let me tell you that it, I got really paranoid and thought people are going to think I'm a YouTuber. Right. And people say crap to me like, oh, you're like some flash in the pan. You know, these people that are on um, Facebook or whatever, and they put a filter on their mouth or whatever, you know, some flash in the pan. And, and it worried me. I thought, I don't want people to think that because I've been, you know, I've been doing this since my youngest child was 18 months old. She's 25. Yeah. And um, I, I didn't, that bothered me. I didn't want people to think that. And I think some people thought it and then they realized. Now, when I'm out in these theaters, um, my opener, Karen Mills, will say, we've been traveling on and off together since 2004. And you can hear people go, oh. Like they just don't, they just don't know that I've been doing it that long. Cause you know, I didn't have, well, social media is just now, you know, a thing. When I got started, we didn't have that. And I it was, was word not, of mouth. It was word of mouth. And, and I didn't, I did so many clubs a year that would book me. A lot of people didn't want to book me. You know, I couldn't, I had three children and, and Zanies, uh, Brian Dorfman that owns Zanies and, you know, a hundred other comedy clubs all over the United States. who's a very good friend of mine. When I started 20 years ago, I remember him saying to me, Leanne, if you want to raise these children, you cannot, you cannot do clubs all the time. You will not be able to raise your own children. And, and he was right. I mean, yeah. you know, back then you'd work Wednesday to Sunday somewhere. And I did about five a year that the clubs that would book me. And then the other things I would try to do, like every once in a while I'd get on a little tour with other female comedians or something, or I would do, um, fundraisers or corporate things i just had to fill in and do what i could because there was no way i could have raised three children and been their mama if i'd have been a road comic yeah definitely you know and so people just did not know my name and didn't know who i was a lot of some people did but you know i've never and i i would go to la and new york i'd get something with nick at night or i would you know i've had television deals for sitcoms so I, but I was never in the cool kids scene. You know, I was never around the comedy store, the improv in L.A. until now. Yeah. Until now, you know, at 57 years old. But anyway. See, I, w I wish I would have known you, like, even when I had a little steam, because I, I lost that steam. But it, I wish I would have known you when I had that, because I would have done everything I could to help you out, you know? Because, yeah. yeah. And, uh you know, if I ever do get a sitcom, I want you to play my mom in it because I think <laughs> I think it would be great. You know, I could because we're both blonde. You look yeah. like my children, my darling. You yeah, know, I could. So that that's my promise to you. If I ever get famous, <laughs> I'm gonna say I want Leanne Morgan to play my mom, or I'm out. That's what I'm gonna <laughs> say. No, Wait, so like um. Yeah. And then like another thing. So like you were talking about how your manager was saying no. And then you said, yes, that's a very brave to tell a manager what to do, because usually managers try and tell you what to do. So I think like that is very, um, you know, very, very unique and very daring because you're taking control of your career when they're supposed to do it. You know? Yeah. And, th and there were a lot of things. I'm no longer with him, but there's a lot of things that that he did great. But I do, I would tell people, you got to go with your gut. You got to yeah. go with your own instinct. And I knew, I mean, I, I think he just did not understand the power of social media. He was kind of old school. And I, I was watching, I'm a big comedy fan. So yeah. I was watching these people that were doing well and why, and I wanted to be, I always wanted to be Jim Gaffigan. I wanted to do theaters. I wanted people to, that, that wanted me that would come and see me. And I, and I thought, what is he doing? They, I've always watched people that were successful and, and what, and if they were doing what I wanted to do, I tried to figure out what are they doing? And I need to do that. And I just think that's common sense, you know, Definitely. if you see somebody that's doing well and, um, 
And so, you know, I just made that decision and I told him, I go, I'm doing it. And I, you know, I know it's going to cost money, but anyway, it's, it's the way of the world now. You got, if you don't have, you know, I know a lot of old comedians that are my age and that I've known for 20 years. And I've told all of them, if you don't get on this, if you don't get on social media and, and work that, you're like a dinosaur. I mean, nothing. You're No, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only people will probably hear of you is other people who like dinosaurs. You know what I mean? Like, so, that would probably be me because, like, that's what I, I like. You know, I like knowing about my peers and stuff. But I wanted to ask you, which one do you do you find, you know, now that you're doing theaters a lot more, which one do you find that you enjoy better? Do you enjoy doing theaters or comedy clubs that are intimate? I do love a comedy club, and I I do think that comedy clubs are the best place to work things out, of course. But there's nothing like a big, beautiful theater. You know, I say that a, a theater about a thousand seats to twenty five hundred. Right. I I grew I came up in this doing these little theaters, right, like five to seven hundred seats with the Southern Fried Chicks. This was years ago. And so I'm very comfortable in theaters. That feels like home to me. Love a club, love to go work out material in a club, but it's theaters where I feel more at home. Yeah. See, I've only done only a handful of theaters and I I remember I didn't like them because I felt the laughter would either start all the way from the back to the front or reverse from the front to the back or sometimes to the sides. And it was just, um, like I said, I've only done like 10 or 15 theaters and I don't think I've ever done well in one of them because I feel I'm very intimate at a comedy club. Like comedy club, I crush all the time, not to brag, but theaters, it's like telling jokes at a funeral. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like. Well, oh, yeah. Dusty Slay said that to me. Dusty Slay said that he really likes a club better. Yeah. And he's going to start doing, he's starting to do some theaters, but, and he'll get used to it. But he said, it's, you know, I'm just like a club so much better. Now I'm starting to do some small arenas. Yeah, and those are fun. Feel, and arenas to me feel like what you're talking about. Like the, you know, the laugh starts way in the back and there's a wave and you got to ride that wave and you got to wait. You know, I, I'm not used to that. That's intimidating to me. Yeah. Definitely. And then another thing about you that people don't know is, is you, you went on, you, you opened for Jeff Foxworthy for a while. Well, he and I co-headlined two arenas together. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Open for him. I wanted to, I was managed by the same people that managed him and Larry, the cable guy and Bill Ingvall. And I didn't, I begged years ago, uh, they had done blue collar. It had blown up. They were huge. And I was with the same management company and I begged, please let me. And there was one time that I did a guest spot with Bill Ingvall in Nashville at TPAC. And I looked out into that audience and I, and I said, there's every man that's in here to see him. There's a wife with them. Right. And you know, they all had their own buddies that opened up for them. And I understand that they all like to play golf and they all, you know, and they like the guys that, that opened for him. And I know a lot of them, Reno Collier and Josh Wolf and all these people. And they never would ask me. And it was, um, and I just thought it was short-sighted because I thought everybody that loves them, they're married, they're, their wife's here with them. I mean, who's, you know, I think I would be wonderful, but they didn't, they never did it. And then this happened for me and I've got the same agent as Jeff Foxworthy and they put us together and we co-headlined. Now he closed. Right. But we did 45. He was getting ready for his Netflix special. And uh, we had an opener. We had somebody open for us. And he was darling. And we're, we, we've we got a show book now, an arena, and Dusty Slay's opening for us. In, oh, that would be awesome. In May in Charleston. That's like a three-headliner show. I know. Little like, those, those are the best. I like I – because, like, like, when I was on when, – when I toured with Norm – uh, there would be times where, you know, I didn't feature all the time. I would always, I would host and because there are certain cities because my, my acts very like, you know, he didn't want someone who had his same similar presence like him. 
at certain cities. So he wouldn't mind it hosting, but he didn't want it featuring. But the thing is, like, I like it because, like, all three of us on the show were, were headliners. I mean, he was the national headliner, of course, but, like, whoever else was on the show. So it always made it a good show, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's and like Dusty's well, huge. I mean, Dusty's huge. I love it's, Dusty, yeah. I know, I do, too. So he's a doll. So that, um, yeah, that's me and, and Dusty and Jeff. Yeah. And I've done, I've co-headlined with Nate Bergazzi at the Tupelo Arena. That blew my mind because I thought, Lord and mercy. I mean, Nate, you know, to me was like Elvis, still is. I mean, huge blowing up. Right. So I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of wonderful things in the last, um, you know, three years. It's been things that have happened to me that I would have never dreamed. Yeah, definitely. So speaking of Elvis, this is a random question that has nothing to do with either of us. But if Elvis was alive, do you think he would still sing or do you think he would like dip into comedy like these these singers try and do? You know what I mean? I think he'd be singing, honey. I think he'd be singing with some tight bridges on and I would go. I would go. I loved him. Me being from Tennessee, we we love our Elvis and we um we fight for him but i and i i would go and see him tomorrow if he was alive also i i go and see tom jones i've been to see tom jones twice oh i and, love tom jones and tom jones is going to be in charleston at the small theater me and dusty and jeff were supposed to do seven thousand seats tom jones is in that same complex venue but in a smaller theater and I want so bad. I know I'll I'll probably Dusty will go and then me and then Jeff and then I want to scoot over there and go see Tom Jones, honey. He's in his eighties. Yeah, you should ask him if you could open for him. I know. I wish now <laughs> Karen Mills. Karen Mills is opens for me on my tour. She's open for him. Oh my she god! Has, yeah, she has seen him in his underwear. What? Oh, yeah. He, she went by the dressing room and he had, he was in a he had a little pair of black tiny panties on and she saw him and she's a gay woman she doesn't care but I said what do you look like in his panties I want to know but anyway I mean not really I mean kind of just because I want to know how people keep their weight off I don't I don't right. think of sexual way because I'm I've been through menopause you know I don't think about that anymore I mean it, sometimes. But it's it's interesting how like people, you know, because uh, Tom Jones was a rock star, you know, he still is. But like he, he's like you said, he, he's uh, on his last couple legs, you know, and I, I, I was at the Flamingo last weekend. And I was walking and I saw a sign of Wayne Newton. I was, oh. I was just like, oh, my God, like the Flamingo is going to go down once he passes. Oh, that's another one. I, that I would love to go see because I grew up watching him on sitcoms and, you know, he was on things and I'd be like, oh my gosh. And somebody told me these Catholic women in Knoxville, um, their sister, her, their, her kids go to school with his kids. He's got, you know, a young wife and little children and it lowered, he's probably in his seventies or eighties. And they would, he would pick his kids up at the Catholic school and drop them off. And they said that he was darling. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I want to meet him. I just think he's so – I just love all that, though. I love old Hollywood. I love old, like, 60s, 70s music. Like, I don't know if you've watched on Showtime about George and Tammy. Tammy Wynette and George Jones. Yeah. Mm. No. What was that? Oh, was that cool? Oh, my Lord. Honey, and they had a tumultuous love, you know, affair, and they were married, and they had a baby named Georgette. And everybody was on drugs and alcohol, and it was crazy. I love stuff like that. I love stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I was awesome. raised outside of Nashville. So I was raised, you know, I went to the mall and saw country music stars all the time. The only thing I watch on Showtime is stand-up comedy or the dirty channels. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're young. You know, you've got hormones. I get yeah, it. yeah. And then, uh, so Leanne, you were talking how um, you you had uh, sitcom deals that just for whatever reason didn't fall flat. If, for example, I was was a big Hollywood you know person who says, Leanne, here's a sitcom, 
like what what kind of humor would you go for something about your life or or like how would you you know like would you take the roseanne trait where you would take your stand-up into the show or how would you do that well that's what everybody's always trying to do they've always based sitcoms based on my comedy you know <laughs> and so it would i would have three kids and i would you know have a husband and all that. I don't know, because really, what I, I've always, you know, gone with what everybody said, because I'm, you know, I would be in Knoxville and just be so thankful somebody wouldn't do a show about me. But really what I love and what I'm a fan of, um, The Office, Parks and Recreation, yeah. you know, single camera, I love all that kind of stuff. But, you know, everything's changing every day. Nobody cares about a sitcom. They all look, you know, it looks stale. Then they say, we're going to do them again. Who knows? You know, television's changing and streaming and all that. Who knows? I've often seen it. I think I would like to do a game show if it didn't involve math. You know, I don't, right. I can't do math. I, if somebody asked me a math question, I would be in a fetal position, but I could do, I think I could that, do. That's math. why I'm here. A math question. You could be like, all right, Keith Asperger's, what is it? I'd be like, ah, <laughs> cut to commercial. <laughs> but no, I, I, I agree with you. I like, I like. I like shows that just have the jokes, you know what I mean? Like the office and all that stuff. So like, yeah, I, I like that. And I think it's every comic's dream to have a sitcom and, you know, regardless if they go away or not, I mean, I, I still want one too. You know what I mean? You do? Yeah. I have a great idea for a sitcom where I would be a, a, a celebrity's uh, personal assistant. And when I say celebrity, I mean a celebrity who's like no longer hot anymore, like John Cusack or something. And I just like, ruin his entire life you know what i mean <laughs> like funny yeah but he can't fire <laughs> me because it will make him look bad because i have autism so like he'd be like i can't fire my autistic assistant like this is the reason why i'm still kind of hot because i'm doing you know i don't know and then i would have my mom played by leanne morgan always call and be like, John, you cannot fire him. Today's his birthday. And then the <laughs> next day, you can't fire him. Yesterday was his birthday. <laughs> oh, my darling. I love you, Leanne Morgan. Oh, you angel. I love you. You bright light. Oh, well, thank you. And then I, I want to respect your time, but I have three more questions. One, I heard you were writing a book. And I wanted to see, like, how, how's that journey? Because I'm writing a book for, like, eight years, and I've only finished one page. <laughs> That's That was me until I got a ghostwriter. Oh, you got a ghostwriter. Honey, oh, yeah. I've got a woman who's brilliant who does this all the time. And she, it's been really fun. It's it's a lot of hard work. But, I, yes, I got a book agent uh, wanted to do something with me years ago, and I wrote one chapter, and my husband who I wonder if he has Asperger's. He's very smart. Let's FaceTime him. I will diagnose him right now. Do what? I said, let's FaceTime him. I will diagnose <laughs> him right now. But he's very smart. And he got my paper and wrote like what um, big red circles around and grammatically corrected. I mean, like corrected all my grammatical errors. And I was like, I, they don't care about that, Chuck. They just want to hear my point of view. But anyway, that kind of shut me down. And then, because he's very detailed and he likes, he's very smart in school. And he, um, yeah, he said, you're, I don't know how you got out of college. Okay, then I didn't do anything for a long time. And then now that all this is happening to me, they got me a ghostwriter. And she has done several books for different people. And so we, we talk on the phone all the time. And then and then we got it. She wrote out, you know, what I wanted it to be. Then she sends it to me. I rewrite and we all rewrite. We, we rewrite together. It's a team. And it, oh, I don't know how people do this because you've got to be able to sit down and have the discipline to write every day. I don't, I could not do it, but she, but it's all, it's all me. It's all my stories. And she, helps me get it and structure it and do all that. But it's a lot of work. Oh, it's yeah. Work. 
but it's supposed to come out in 2024. Oh, that'd be cool. I hope you come back when it comes out so we could plug it. Okay, my darling. That would love be to. sweet. And, yeah. uh, but like, yeah, I'm writing a book and like, uh, I know the title of it. I just don't know the story, but the title is, <laughs> the title is, get this, this is the best title for a book. Uh, Keith Reza, How to Annoy Yourself to the Top. <laughs> right? You could be that like, a you could, chapter one, uh, tweet Leanne Morgan on Twitter for 100 days straight until she follows you. <laughs> then ask her to do your podcast. And then tweet her for four months until she does it. <laughs> Yeah, you got it, honey. You got it. That, yeah. And uh, my, I have two more questions. One, uh, what, what is, what is your goals now that you're climbing this mountain? Because the thing about comedy is, you know, they say the success. You know, for example, if you have lots of money, they say, oh, you're successful. But I, I feel that's not what it is. I feel success is doing what you want to do for the rest of your life regardless if you have money so in a way i feel you were already successful before this you know what i mean because that's what you wanted to do so what is your goals because you could always go higher what is your goals now i would like to do movies and television you okay. know i would and then i would um but i do feel like even when this ends and i'm not selling this kind of tickets if i can do even 300 little 300 seat theater shows with precious people the people that come and see me now who are wonderful i gotta tell you my fans are the best fans in the world and i think and i and I'll, I'll get deep on you a minute but i think it's because they don't have anybody speaking to them right the people that come and see me have been ignored i think hollywood ignores them i think middle-aged women are just that have raised children people just forget about them and they think we're invisible. And I there's times when I felt invisible. And I think, you know, because when you're younger and you're, when I was younger and more attractive, you know, when I still had my bloom, as we say in the South. You still have bloom? Thank you, my darling. Thank yeah. you. If, if you weren't <laughs> married, I'd be like, Leanne. <laughs> oh, my darling. Thank you, you angel. I don't feel like I get attention anymore. But I, but when you're a younger woman, you know, you get attention. And then right. now that at, in middle age, I think people just ignore us. And, and I have hit this niche with people who feel invisible. And so they are so good to me. And I think that they will stick with me, even if it, you know, 300 seat theaters or whatever, if it all goes down and it will, you know, people go up and then they go back down. And that's okay with me. Also, because I've got three children and, two, and a grandbaby and one on the way, and I know I'll have more grandchildren. I, you know, I'm pretty, I'm lucky. I've got a family and I, and whatever happens with this ends, I've got all these babies, honey, that I can sit and cook for wow. and kiss, you know, and I, and it'll be okay. I mean, I, and I think I'm so fortunate that this happened to me now in my fifties. I used to think, Oh, I want to be younger and thinner and all that. But I think I got to raise my children. I got to have a family. I got to raise them. My kids don't need me like they did growing up. And and then look at the, it's like icing on the cake. And then now all these grandbabies are coming and, and everybody's enjoying this in my family. I mean, it's all crazy and we're all having a ball. Yeah. And then, you know, I can ride out into the sunset, you know, when this thing's over. I can just sit and I'll be cooking. That's what yeah. I'm going to be doing. Honey, I'm gonna be cooking, and I'm gonna be sitting on the porch rocking, babies. I can also see you having your own cooking show. That'd be cool. I would love that if they don't mind. If it's not like a chef kind of thing, because I'm not. It's not sophisticated. What I yeah. cook. I've raised a bunch of kids. It's a this lot is of this is called how how to kill your family with Leanne Morgan. Okay, so first, <laughs> <laughs> but no. So. What you just said right there, I don't know if you realized it, but that's your pilot sitcom where, you know, you're trying to do stand up and you have uh, all this family. So you say, OK, honey, I, I actually want to do it. 
And so you rent out a small theater, right? And you feel no one's going to buy tickets, but your entire family buys tickets and they sell it out. And you accomplish your dream. So well, that's like episode one. And then like you could build off that. You know? Well, maybe so, honey. There's been many a time where I was at Zany's in Nashville and and all my cousins in the Methodist church came. And yeah. that's all the people who did. It wasn't anybody outside of that. Yeah. Hey, I know what it's like. I mean, I, I, I sometimes when I don't get gigs because I practice comedy every night, I practice in the mirror. You do? Yeah. I'm not good on mirror gigs, but <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, cause so I, I gotta tell you this before I ask my final question. So I had a, a big gig in Halloween at this haunted house, you know, like it was, yeah. A, it was, yeah, it was like this big haunted house party and there's all these witches and goblins and stuff and they were booing me. Were they really? Booing me. <laughs> See, the mom came out to me. I was not the comedian. I was thinking, I'm going to go kill all those witches. <laughs> go thought, kill all the ghosts and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I'm going to fight for him. Oh. And, and now, Leanne Morgan, my final question for you is, if you could go on a time machine and travel to the past it could be tomorrow or it could be when you were younger or whatever but you have to talk to a younger leanne morgan and tell her words of advice of what you know now what would it be i would go to a my, me at 17 years old and i would say oh my gosh girl it's all gonna work out it's all going to work out and it's going to be wonderful. And these, you're, this, these, you're going to have all these babies and you're going to, your light's going to shine. Your little light's going to shine. Just don't worry. Be, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Because I feel like at 16, 17, I just, um, I was, you know, in a, in a small town farming community of 500 people and I was restless and I felt, like I didn't belong there and I had these big dreams. I wanted to go to Hollywood, but I was, you know, from the country, I didn't know how yeah. I would have, I would have never struck out at 18 and gone to the, to live in LA like people do or gone to, you know, second city in Chicago. I didn't know how anything, I just didn't know. And I, I just felt lost and I, I knew my parents wanted me to go to college and i I went and I ended up graduating, but I, that's not what I really wanted to do. And I, and I just remember feeling lost and restless and, you know, things that happened in my childhood that were hard. And, um, it was just a really, it was a hard time. And I, and I wish I could tell, go back and tell her and that makes me want to cry. I wish I could go back and tell her everything's going to be all right. You know, yeah. everything works out. If I and I can say that to you now as a mama, to you, everything works out the way it's supposed to. It really does. I look back on my life. I'm 57. And let me tell you, this is another thing I want you to know. And I want people to know here in this. When I thought at 35, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm aging. I'm oh 35. I'm 40. That's oh I that's so silly. Always know, be present in the where you are at the time because every age is wonderful and it's not about getting old it's about doing what you want to do and and living out your dreams and living every day fully and i and i realize that now at 57 as time goes by faster for me live every day have a ball love kiss have a ball you know do what you want to do yeah because it goes by it goes by like this I'm so glad you said that answer because like I interviewed somebody, I don't want to say their name, but they told me I would go back four months from now and tell myself not to do razor riffs. <laughs> did you wear braces? I did. Your teeth look beautiful. 
Oh, you, thank you. See, and I'm a mom. Everybody had braces, and and then they now they haven't worn their retainer. Always wear your retainer. That's another thing I'd give you advice on. Oh yeah, the thing is, like I have, a, I drink a lot of Coke, you know, yeah. and uh, my my dad always says, hey, if if you drink that, it's gonna ruin those four thousand dollar teeth I bought. You know what I mean? I've been drinking. He's like, they're gonna rot your teeth, and I've been drinking soda for 20 years and my teeth still aren't rotten so <laughs> i i went to dinner with him and i was drinking a soda he's like he's like i'm surprised with all that coke you drink uh your teeth aren't rotten i was like oh dad there's a difference between coke and meth leanne morgan where can the fo folks at home follow and support you you angel from heaven leannemorgan.com and that's where all my tour dates are. And then I've got all that social media mess. Yeah. You know, Leah Morgan comedy. Wow. All that. You know, I don't tweet very often. I think Twitter's mean, except for you. Oh, well, I've I've been, I can't thank you enough for talking to me. This this has been, you know, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. And, and I really appreciate you giving some time to me. So thank you so much. Thank you, my angel, and thank you for being persistent and and staying on this old gal, because it takes me a while. I'm unorganized, okay? Yeah. I'm a very unorganized person, so I'm glad that you kept on me, because I'm just, I wanted to do it. I'm just crazy. Yeah, and I get it. You know, I'm no Adam Carolla. I don't have a thousand million, you know, followers, but I'm very persistent. <laughs> you are. You are. <laughs> And I'm I'm glad that it worked out, you angel. You're a doll. Oh, well, I can't wait to see you again and actually hang out. And I can't wait for our sitcom. You're going to be great. Thank you, my angel. I'll try to lose weight before then in town. Oh. Okay. Bye, Bye Leanne. Doll. Thank you. All right. Love you. Have a great day and Love good luck on your shows. Thank you. All right. All right. That was the interview with Leanne Morgan, guys. Subscribe, rate, review. Tell a friend. And uh, I oh shit, I forgot to mention that she has a Netflix special coming out April 11th. And you're going to watch that because she's the funniest person in the world. Subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there. www.stereo.com slash and on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash KeithRaza. If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it, and we'll rift with you again soon.